Welcome to Revolution and Ideology. I am Nick. I'm Jared. And today we are talking about Michel Foucault. Now, this isn't the first time we've covered Foucault on the program. We did an article on governmentality, actually two now that I think about it, one on governmentality, one on biopower. Mm-hmm. This time we're specifically talking about an article titled The Subject and Power from 1982. Now, we're not going to do a bio here, Foucault. You can find that elsewhere easily out there. There's tons of stuff on uh, his life and how he was important in philosophy and so forth. And I just want to point out that this is just one article that Foucault wrote about power. He is famous for his analysis of power, the sort of post-structural analysis, and wrote, I mean, volumes and volumes of books and interviews and articles and like all kinds of things about power. So we're really, really just scratching the surface here, uh, just at a very, very high level uh, about Foucault's sort of conception of power. Anything to add? No. Um, one of the most important philosophers of the 20th century, by far. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely a foundation for both of our academic um, approaches. And mm-hmm. uh, let's dig in. So Foucault makes many, many points in this article. I want to focus mm-hmm. just on four main ones. Uh, and that's really what we're going to sort of discuss here in depth. So the first one is Foucault argues that the most effective way to analyze power is to analyze resistance to it. So more on that. Second one, people become subjects in two ways. First, under someone else's control, and second, tied to our own identities. And when we're talking about the second version, think subjectivity. The first is the most common way that people analyze power, but Foucault argues that we should really focus on the second way. Third, power does not exist outside and or above society, but manifests itself in social relations everywhere. Now, this is the point that I think Foucault is probably most famous for, uh, which we'll get to in much more depth in a few minutes. And fourth, we must analyze institutions from the perspective of power, not analyze power using institutions as the focal point. This is a mistake uh, that leads to some different risks, which we'll talk about that Foucault says that most people analyze power, you know, <laughs> using the institution as the focal point, you know, the power of states and so forth. Foucault says that we really need to flip that on its head uh, to really have a quality analysis of power. So the first thing that I like, that, oh, by the way, we're going to jump around the article a little bit. We're not going to cover every single thing that Foucault says here. We're going to focus solely on those four points, basically. So there's a lot here that we're not even going to talk about. So just keep that in mind. Uh, read the whole thing if you want everything from, you know, front to back. He argues that there's really aren't good methods for analyzing power itself. He says, quote, we had recourse only to ways of thinking about power based on legal models. That is what legitimates power. Or we had recourse to ways of thinking about power based on institutional models. That is what is the state. So he's saying, that up until now, essentially, all of the analyses of power have to do, they're talking about power. They're sort of a meta conversation about power itself, but aren't actually analyzing power directly. And so that's what Foucault sets out to really establish here in this article and in the rest of his work on power. And it's just one example. I have uh, a note here to talk about Max Weber and his analysis of power, specifically how he talks about the state. Weber has perhaps the most famous not perhaps, it's the most famous definition of a state. And he says, essentially, a state is defined by the institution that has a monopoly on legitimate violence, right? And so from Foucault's standpoint, right, we're talking about state's power and how a state has power and so forth. He's saying, you know, those methods of analysis are really talking about power, but aren't really analyzing power directly. And so that's what he wants to uh, get to. He says, quote, what we need is a new economy of power relations, the word economy being used in its theoretical and practical sense. So we need a new way to think about power and power relations. So this is probably the most important part of, of Foucault here. Like this is his his wheelhouse, the mm-hmm. idea of almost problematizing everything, not just like the material constructs, but the ideal ones as well. That's why we mm-hmm. he is one of the main 
uh, I don't want to say founders, but advocates mm-hmm. of post-structural discourse is we mm-hmm. break all of these things apart to e- include even the institutional and systemat- systematic levels, break them down into these smaller parts so that we can potentially, and I say the word potentially intentionally, understand them. But that's mm-hmm. the point is it's only potential understanding. And that's where we get, and this is where Foucault frustrates a lot of people because a lot of things end up undefined intentionally. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's mm-hmm. one of the things um, that we need to kind of draw out here in this article is I don't know. Uh, and I didn't go through it as in depth as you did, that we're going to come out of this on the other end with a fundamental understanding of power dynamics. And and that's not his intent. It's to problematize mm-hmm. the whole thing. Right. Yep. He has a section here that I really like, but we don't need to talk about it here, where he talks about the Frankfurt School and their approach to power and rationalization specifically. We don't need to talk about it here because we have a whole series on Herbert Marcuse and One Dimensional Man and Utopia and so forth. I think it's four or five episodes. So check that out if you really want to go in, de- in depth you know, on the Frankfurt School and their approach. Um, so we're not going to talk about that here. Just know Foucault mentions it. He says... It's incredibly valuable to the analysis of power, but we have to avoid talking about rationality because it leads to certain risks in the analysis. And so he talks about that uh, there. So look at our episode on Marcuse if you want more there. Now he gets to the meat of what he's suggesting. He says, quote, I would like to suggest another way to go further toward a new economy of power relations, a way which is more empirical, more directly related to our present situation and which implies more relation between theory and practice. It consists of taking the forms of resistance against different forms of power as a starting point. To use another metaphor, it consists of using this resistance as a chemical catalyst so as to bring to light power relations, locate their position, and find out their point of application and the methods used. Rather than analyzing power, from the point of view of its internal rationality, it consists of analyzing power relations through the antagonism of strategies. For example, to find out what our society means by sanity, perhaps we should investigate what is happening in the field of insanity and what we mean by legality in the field of illegality. And in order to understand what power relations are about, perhaps we should investigate the forms of resistance and attempts to attempts made to dissociate those relations. Okay. So this is a huge point that I think really sort of outlines what Foucault is after here. He's saying we need to flip power analysis on its head, essentially, and that we need to, instead of trying to analyze power directly, we need to look at where the resistance to power manifests itself. And by looking at the resistance, really analyzing that in depth, that will illuminate the characteristics of power. What do you think about that? I mean, I think it's an approach that, again, it's post-structural in nature. We Mm -hmm. rather than look at, let's use an example, rather than look at legal discourses or legislation or comb through books of laws, rather look at what laws are being broken, why they're being broken. And he uses the word strategy, the methodology for why those laws are being broken. And again, it's not just laws that we would be looking at. I mean, he's talking about mental health. We could talk about uh, distribution of resources and foodstuffs and things along those lines. But it's, it's this idea... And some of it comes from this, uh, at least in history, my field, we would also call this some subaltern studies where we're looking at power dynamics from the people that are the subaltern and their reactions to how society functions from the bottom up. I mean, it's really that simple, right? Rather than looking at history or sociology or um, other human sciences related fields from the top down, as we all tend to do, I'm guilty of it, you're guilty of it, Um, most of our, our, our people in our fields are guilty of it, he's arguing rather than do that to, again, deconstruct everything from the bottom and look at it through that lens. And from there, you can start to make certain assertions about what the top, i.e. power, looks like. Yeah, and just so everyone knows if they aren't familiar somehow, like Foucault has done incredibly famous examples of this, right? So he says, to find out what our society means by sanity, perhaps we should investigate what is happening in the field of insanity, right? He has a famous book called Madness and Civilization, that analyzes the genealogy of, you know, what it means to be sane and insane in our society and so forth. So Foucault has done this work and he says, well, you know, and illegality, e- illegality would be like discipline mm-hmm. and punish, which is maybe even one of his more famous works as well. hundred percent. Yep. He says we, uh, he suggests we should start with the quote, opposition of power of men 
over women, of parents over children, of psychiatry over the mentally ill, of medicine over the population, of administration over the ways people live. So he outlined just a few examples of types of things. Uh, oh, also the birth of the clinic. I don't know how I didn't think of that. Foucault's book on medicine, the institution of medicine and so forth. He says there are six things that these struggles that he just listed have in common. And as a result, this tells us a lot about power dynamics, sort of outlines how we should analyze power. He says they are, quote, transversal, which means they are not limited to one country, nor are they confined to a particular political or economic form of government. So this isn't, you know, this isn't a socialist revolution happening in Cuba, as an example, right? These are struggles that take place across the globe. They're not defined by one particular location or, you know, political system or economic system and so forth. Two, the aims of these struggles is the power effects as such. So he's saying, I interpret this to mean, you know, these struggles aren't to seize power, but rather to deconstruct power as it exists in whatever society it's existing within, right? To dismantle the power relations that are at play, not to seize and control them and use them for one's own benefit. Three, these are immediate struggles. In such struggles, people criticize instances of power, which are the closest to them. They do not look for the chief enemy, but for the immediate enemy. So they're immediate because people are looking for the power struggle is taking place uh, in a, people's immediate surroundings. I'm going to chime also, in real. Go yeah. ahead. Well, real fast. That that part A is interesting. While this is him breaking things down, and obviously, like Foucault always is, critical of the way we analyze things and the way people, of course, are engaging with that. I do think that is strategic, and I'll be guilty here of going against what he's saying, looking at things from the top down, but I do believe, at least in most power dynamics and relationships of state, that's actually a goal. We, we have examples of how they socialize people to look at, again, people in their immediate vicinity rather than look all the way up the proverbial totem pole or pyramid or whatever. That's a strategy. I mean, it's divide and rule, literally. Like That's what that is. So some of that I guess is, and again, I'm being guilty of going against Foucault here, but this is a strategy of the state, right? And so sometimes people can't necessarily be blamed for looking at what's immediately in front of them rather than, of course, being quote unquote woke or whatever and seeing the system for what it is. So, Second part of that, he says, they do not expect to find a solution to their problem in a future date. That is liberations, revolutions, end of class struggle. In comparison with a theoretical scale of explanations or a revolutionary order, which polarized the historian, they are anarchistic struggles. So he's saying, you know, it's not sort of millenarian, I guess, in, in nature. We're not looking for some event that's going to happen in the future that will give us our freedom. It can happen right now, right here, right now, right? And directly in front of me, these struggles that he's talking about. Fourth. They are struggles which question the status of the individual. This one's important. On the one hand, they assert the right to be different and they underline everything which makes individuals truly individual. On the other hand, they attack everything which separates the individual, breaks his links with others, splits up community life, forces the individual back on himself and ties him to his own identity in a constraining way. These struggles are not exactly for or against the individual, but rather they are struggles against the government of individualization. That's good. If you want more on that, go to uh, our episode on governmentality, though we're going to talk about this a little bit more here as well. Number five, they are in opposition to the effects of power which are linked with knowledge, competence, and qualification. Struggles against the privilege of knowledge. There is nothing scientistic in this. That is a dogmatic belief in the value of scientific knowledge, but neither is it a skeptical or relativistic refusal of a verified truth. What is questioned is the way in which knowledge circulates and functions, its relations to power. Just so everyone knows, if you're not familiar with Foucault at all, a huge body of his work is talking about power inherent in knowledge and the controlling of knowledge, the creation of knowledge, authorship of knowledge and discourse, and so forth. In fact, he has a book called Power Knowledge uh, that really outlines a lot of his thoughts on power. I'm gonna read a quote from it actually uh, toward the end here. Finally, 
All these present struggles revolve around the question, who are we? Their refusal of these abstractions of economic and ideological state violence, which ignore who we are individually, and also a refusal of a scientific or administrative inquisition, which determines who one is. And then he says, quote, to sum up, the main objective of these struggles is to attack not so much such or such an institution of power or group or elite or class, but rather a technique, a form of power. Thoughts on this? I mean, this is socialization 101 that obviously goes back to the original forms of social organization. Um, but I think the most important part here, and he's writing this in the early 80s, we know that it's gotten worse throughout the 90s. And obviously now there is, and I like his term here, I, I'm going to have to scroll up to see it again, but something along the governmentality or the government of individualization, we see this mm. obviously more and more um, in the social media sphere. Like there is this idea that we have this desire, this struggle, as he would put it, to put out who we are on our own, our own individuality, again, through whatever forms of social media there are the, the TikToks and the Facebooks and the Instas and so on and so forth. But the funny part is, is that's still governed by these institutions and this struggle, this reflexivity between, of course, the individual and the state in this case. Um, that's where that's where we can begin to identify and analyze power dynamics between state mm -hmm. and individual. And of course, the attachment we have in trying to find who are, what our true identity is. And most of us obviously won't, won't ever really find that, especially with the power that the state, and when I say state, I'm being a little bit probably looser here than, than even Foucault. I would also include like the corporate state as well. They get to dictate what that looks like. And again, that's kind of a top-down thing to say, but that but we can analyze it. What he's saying is we can analyze it through the discourse between the individuals and these people that control the, uh, what is it again? The government of individualization. Mm -hmm. The key here is, you know, it's about how our subjectivity is formed, right? How we come to identify ourselves. Foucault says, quote, this form of power applies itself to immediate everyday life, which categorizes the individual, marks him by his own individuality, attaches him to his own identity, imposes a law of truth on him, which he must recognize and which others have to recognize in him. It is a form of power which makes individuals subjects. So there are two types of subject that Foucault is talking about. And this is what I really, really like about Foucault in general, but this is why I like this article, because this is where he talks about this. Uh, in terms that I think are easy to understand. He says, first, a subject to someone else by control and dependence. So this is when people think of subject, when we're talking about power, this is by far the most common thing that people think of, right? There's power dynamics between two people. One of them is the subject, right, who power is being played out upon, I suppose, in weird terms. The second one, which is important that Foucault is saying we need to think about is Subject is tied to one's own identity by a conscious or self-knowledge. So here's earlier I said, think of subjectivity, right? The ways that we identify ourselves, the way that we uh, identify others, and the way that we have a relationship between ourselves and others and how that shapes our individual identity. Then he gives us three examples of different types of struggles. And this will explain this even more. He says, first, struggles against forms of domination. Ethnic, social, and religious are the examples that he uses. Second, against forms of exploitation, which is the separation of individuals from what they produce. So this is economic. And third, against that which ties the individual to himself and submits him to others in this way. Struggles against subjection, against forms of subjectivity, and submission. He says, now while the first two clearly have not disappeared, the third type of struggle is becoming more prevalent, this struggle against certain types of subjectification, and that if we want to really analyze power, we need to come up with ways to analyze the power dynamics that manifest themselves in how we develop our own subjectivity and the subjectivity of others. Thoughts so on this? The, 
the interesting part, again, the first two are obvious. Anyone that has taught any of the human sciences or taken a human science class themselves have been a student. Yes, you can find this. There are forms against domination. History is ripe with examples of power dynamics from religious institutions or state institutions or slave trades, things along those lines. That's an easy one, just like he said. The second one um, is also a little bit interesting, um, obviously coming from a Marxist lens. Again, alienation is what he's talking about there in terms Mm -hmm. of, of, of labor. Um, and there's probably other things there, but my mind, of course, went to Marx's form mm-hmm. of alienation there. The third one, as you mentioned, is the one he's most interested in now because he thinks it's the one that is being left out of the, dis- the discourse on power dynamics. And I would agree with him there. The struggles against subjection and against forms of subjectivity are his terms here and submission. And I think we, I mean, we even make this discussion in courses, in our face-to-face courses. None of us has had including us, you and I, has had a wholly original thought in our lives. It's all come through socialization. And what I think he's alluding to is this idea that socialization in and of itself is that struggle we have to understand and identify our own subjectivity. And that's Mm -hmm. where we're at. And so I think that's one of the most important assertions he makes. Why are we, like, not even why, how does this impact? He's not asking why. He's asking how does this impact power dynamics, this fact that we are so wholly socialized in our society and our subjectivity, thus obviously informed by these relationships of power. Um, why does this matter? And how can we use this to better understand how power works, especially when we're talking about the state? Well, I think it goes both ways, right? What you just said is accurate probably where it's like, how can we under, how can we use the ways in which we become subjects, how can we analyze that in order to analyze power? I think the opposite is true also, right? Mm -hmm. How does power impact the ways that we become subjects? And how does power impact the ways that we develop our own identities, right? So Foucault is suggesting that instead of trying to analyze power directly, we should analyze the way that we become subjects and analyze our identities how we interact with others as a result of our identities, how we develop our identities, et cetera. And that will sort of illuminate the power dynamics that are at play. And right now, like I said, even though he's writing in the early 80s, right now it's even more ripe for for observation, right, with the social mm-hmm. media. Like no one is born wanting to be, like no one, no one comes out of the womb ready to be on TikTok and have mm-hmm. all of these social pressures applied to them because of the TikTok lithosphere, whatever you want to call it, that if you really want to dig into power relations and who's really pulling the strings there, I would argue nobody in no individuals pulling the strings there. Mm -hmm. But that right there in and of itself is ripe for analysis for what this means in terms of submission and subjectivity. And I think that's, yeah. He then continues on and talks about Christianity and the state. I'm not going to actually talk about the Christianity aspect of it, though it is interesting and pertinent to the conversation. I really want to focus on the state because that's more of our wheelhouse and what we discuss in our courses, et cetera. Um, I mean, Christianity was the state for a long time, but I don't yeah, think that's, that's true. Yeah. So like that, that, that's the problematic nature of it. But regardless. He explains that the relatively new way of social organization, which is the state, he says, quote, is envisioned as a kind of political power which ignores individuals, looking only at the interests of the totality, or I should say of a class or group among the citizens. As a result, most analysis of state power overlooks individual relations. And he says, quote, instead, the state's power, and that's one of the reasons for its strength, is both an individualizing and totalizing form of power. He says, I don't think that we should consider the modern state as an entity which was developed above individuals, ignoring what they are and even their very existence, but on the contrary, as a very sophisticated structure in which individuals can be integrated under one condition, that this individuality would be shaped in a new form and submitted to a set of very specific patterns. So he's saying essentially, you know, we shouldn't look at, we shouldn't ignore the individual when we're talking about the state. In fact, the individual should be very central to state analysis because the state develops our identities. We develop our identities as subjects of the state. None of us, I guess, hardly any of us born in modern times have been born outside of a state, right? That's just not a thing anymore, like in the world. As a result, we develop our own subjectivity, our consciousness, our self-awareness, our identities, the identities of others, all within the status discourse. There is no sort of meta discourse that exists outside of the state. And as a result, we should be analyzing the individual and how 
they develop their subjectivity within the state. And that analysis will illuminate how the state functions as an institution of power and the relations between the individuals. That's one of the things that was actually passed off as this illusory ability to be an individual within the state during the birth of the nation state period, right? When we're talking about the 18th century and the end of the French Revolution, you've absolved people of these prior identities. I like that example the best because it's the easiest. You've absolved them Mm -hmm. of their relationship with the king. Absolutism is gone. And then you absolve them, of course, of their relationships to land and their lords or dukes or earls or barons or, or whatever through, of course, basically ending. Um, feudalism. And then you absolve them over their relationship with the church, although the church doesn't go away altogether in France during this period of time, like Catholicism definitely takes a back seat to liberalism mm. now, right, as a dominant uh, or attempted hegemonic ideal. So you've absolved them of the all of these relationships, and yet the individual is left asking themselves now, what is there? Well, the answer, of course, was you're French. This idea of nationalism takes over. But that's not the only example. It's just the easiest one to like use mm-hmm. here. And then the individual themselves from that point forward gets to, or at least thinks they get to, uh, understand their relationships with power now by being French rather than a peasant or a blacksmith or a, a subject of the king or whatever they used to have. But again, That's not wholly on them either. There is, as you said, kind of a little bit of a back and forth here between what this new state looks like and the new individual informing who they are based on these relationships with the state and, of course, others around them and how they're also negotiating this new relationship of being French. Obviously, this ideal nationalism spreads well beyond France from that point forward and -hmm. other places have to deal with this as well. Yeah, Foucault actually uses those specific examples. He talks so much of Foucault's analysis begins and is centered on the age of enlightenment yeah and then he he talks specifically about the french revolution and england sort of the end of the monarchy and so forth exactly everything that you just said um if anyone's interested in like all of that analysis check out his book uh, power knowledge well and it's a critique really on the and again these are illusory these liberalists Mm -hmm. and i'm not using modern american liberalism i'm using classical liberalism here these Mm -hmm. liberalist ideas of the locks and the smiths and the rousseaus and 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 i don't want to crap on them too hard but they are illusory right like this is the idea that the individual it is the individualization here is what is going to I guess, lead to, quote unquote, and I hate to use this term, more freedom, right? More choice, Mm -hmm. those types of things. But they are all kind of confined within this collective state crafting apparatus. So it is, it's an illusion, right? It's Mm -hmm. just a different form. Yep. Foucault says, maybe the target nowadays is not to discover what we are, but to refuse what we are. We have to imagine and to build up what we could be to get rid of this kind of political double bind, which is the simultaneous individualization and totalization of modern power structures. This double bind is a key term here. The conclusion would be that political, ethical, social, philosophical problem of our days is not to try to liberate the individual from the state and from the state's institutions, but to liberate us both from the state and from the type of individualization which is linked to the state. We have to promote new forms of subjectivity through the refusal of this kind of individuality, which has been imposed on us for several centuries. So he's talking about exactly what you just said here. Citizenship. Yep, exactly. He says, you know, we can't expect to free ourselves from the state and then continue on as the same individuals that we are. We have to free ourselves from the state and from the type of individuals that the state has shaped us into being, right? That there is not some, you know, kernel of who I am that exists independent from the state. That in order for me to find out really who I am as an individual, I must be freed from the state as a totalizing institution and as an institution that has created my subjectivity, if that makes sense. Right. And it's even in like the language we use, just to use like the most basic, like generic example here that that might be easy for people to understand who are having a tough time, like digging through Foucault. The minute you say, I am um, a citizen of the United Kingdom, I am whatever, I am Angolan, I am Vietnamese, I am American, the, that that wording and that tie to who you are as an individual, that is subjectivity of the state. Right there, merely making that statement that I identify as X, this thing, this citizen of this thing, that right there 
that is what he's seeking to obviously liberate people from, right? Like, and here's the other problem is everyone else does that. And that that's, those are the relationships of power that we don't even realize that we're reifying by merely using this very basic language. And again, it's, it, it gets more deep than that, but I feel like this very basic example of how I identify geographically says a whole lot about who I am as an individual and to be blunt, my lack of individuality. Well, and the important Part about your example, which is why it's so good, is that it illustrates both types of subject for Foucault, right? Yeah. So by saying, I am an American citizen, you're explaining that you are a subject, right? You are submissive to the United States as an entity. It also, like you just explained, is saying like, that is a core part of my identity, how I identify my subjectivity is tied to me being a citizen of a nation, right, of this state. And the irony is, is that we, we think these places, especially in the example of, of, of the U.S. or U.K. Or, or France or any of these more liberalist ideal uh, idealizations of the state, right, we assume that they, I mean, in fact, that's how they sold the idea of citizenry is it gives you the freedom or the ability to operate as an individual, but that individual is still subject to the state, right? Like, so it's an, again, I use the word illusion intentionally because mm -hmm. we've all bought, we've all bought that i'm trying to find where he said you know we need to question the types of people that we are within the state right we need to question we need to refuse what we are that's what he says right it's not to discover what we are but to refuse what we are because it's impossible to discover like i said who we really are like what is the kernel of my identity who am i for real like, that's not possible. We have to question and refuse what we are. What have we become, the type of people that we are as a result of being subjects of the state? By the way, the state is just one institution that we're using as an example. Religion, There's truly a whole religion. network. Yes. Yeah, religion, et cetera. There's a whole network of dominating institutions, right, at play in our society. Right. The minute you identify as a citizen of a state or a member of a certain religion or whatever, even a fan of, 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 of a certain sports team or something along those lines, that's you giving up just a little bit of your identity right there to say, mm -hmm. I will be a subject of X, Y, or Z. I am a subject of this. I just have a note here as a suggestion for anyone looking for more on Foucault's concept of the subject and the state. There's a really good article that I actually read uh, before I dove into this article. Um, just because we have a class on anarchism and so forth. It's called On Constituting Oneself an Anarchist Subject, and it's by Reiner Sherman. Uh, we'll post a link to that article. It takes, goes way deeper into Foucault's concept of subjectivity and identity, et cetera, and then specifically analyzes, you know, how we might go about thinking of ourselves uh, existing outside the state, what that might look like, and how we might go about that analysis and like real a practical work. So it's really interesting. Again, that's called On Constituting Oneself an Anarchist Subject. Uh, we'll post a link to that. Then Foucault goes into a section on how power is um, exercised. Um, he says, you know, for us to analyze power, we can't analyze power itself, but rather the ways that power manifests itself in the relationships between individuals. For Foucault, power is action. It manifests itself in action. He says, quote, to approach the theme of power by analysis of how is therefore to introduce several critical shifts in relation to the supposition of a fundamental power. It is to give oneself as the object of analysis of power relations and not power itself. Power relations which are distinct from objective abilities as well as from relations of communication. So we have to analyze ourselves as the subjects and objects of power, both, and how we relate with other people, how individuals relate, and what actions people take, because that is where power manifests itself and really shows itself. That we can't analyze power as some abstract that's present in society like that. How would we possibly do that? And he's arguing that's what most people have done throughout history when they're talking about power, but that power really comes into play when we're talking about relationships between individuals and in interactions between individuals. 
So again, I'll chime in with some historical example here. One of my favorites is the idea of filial piety, which was state imposed in a couple of different places back in the ancient world. Ancient Rome had it under under Augustus and this idea of the paterfamilias that he was trying to expose the Roman people to. Another good example would be Confucian filial piety, which became very prominent um, in some of the um, earlier dynasties within China. Uh, someone will have to forgive me. I want to stay, say starting with like Qin dynasty, then Han dynasty, and then on to Tang dynasty. But regardless, these ideas, this filial piety, where in each and every relationship, familiar relationship you have in your life, you are either a superior or a subordinate. And of course, this was sanctioned by, at that time, the state. This is what is taught to everybody. And then, of course, it is diffuse, to use a Foucaultian term here, diffuse through society in which little, little pyramids of power dynamics make up a bigger, stronger pyramid, i.e. the state, i.e. the Roman Empire, i.e. the Han Dynasty, right? That's, that's the idea. And we can understand and understand how those states maintain themselves through looking at those relationships, in this case, of filial piety. And that's just familial relationship. But I think it's a good example because we could also talk about all the other relationships that come there. But you must know your role. It's basically stay in your lane in terms of how family dynamics work. Well, now we see that through labor relations and we see that through even friend relationships, right? Or social relations, those types of things. So... Well, I think that's actually a perfect example because it really does illuminate what Foucault is arguing here. Yeah. He would argue that, you know, like you said, the example would be, you know, where every little family is like a pyramid and then, you know, neighborhoods, these pyramids build up until we're talking about the huge pyramid, which like is the state. I think Foucault would argue that trying to analyze the state is a complete waste of time because the state as a powerful, as an entity of power doesn't actually exist. That power is only manifested with how we are interacting within our little mini pyramids. That we can't ladder it up to some institution that exists over us all, because that institution is merely an abstract. It manifests itself in the ways that we are all interacting with one another on an individual basis. I mean, the state does exert power through what he also talks about, the production of knowledge, right? Like in mm -hmm. the Augustus example, there was a mass propaganda campaign to promote the paterfamilias, right? Like they're, you know, the, the I forget what they're called, the friezes, right? Like the, the friezes were put up everywhere. Um, the carved stone, right? Like stories mm -hmm. that were put up everywhere. And like, those are the types of things that we're talking about. Yep. Um, power for Foucault, as we typically think of it, does not exist. And this kind of gets to what I was just saying. He says, quote, power exists only when it is put into action, even if, of course, it is integrated into a disparate field of possibilities brought to bear upon permanent structures. He says, in effect, what defines a relationship of power is that it is a mode of action which does not act directly and immediately on others. Instead, it acts upon their actions an action upon an action, on existing actions or on those which may arise in the present or the future. The exercise of power consists in guiding the possibility of conduct and putting in order the possible outcome. Basically, power is less a confrontation between two adversaries or the linking of one to the other than a question of government. Now we're getting to this governmentality. Government here meaning how the behavior of individuals might be directed. To govern in this sense is to structure the possible field of actions of others. The relationship proper to power would not therefore be sought on the side of violence or of struggle, nor on that of voluntary linking, all of which can at best only be the instruments of power, but rather in the area of the singular mode of action, neither warlike nor jurisdictional, which is government. So he's not saying government like we think of like the United States government with the House of Representatives, etc. He's saying here he's using government in the sense of directing individuals behavior. And he's saying that this is how power manifests itself through the direction of individual behavior and that one has power through their ability to determine how others behave. And so this is Foucault's focus on individual relationships and individual interactions and how one individual can govern, i.e. direct the behaviors of another. Anything so a set, yeah, again, 
I mean, think about our day-to-day lives. We, mm-hmm. um, our actions are controlled, whether we believe it or not, through, of course, the subjectivity and our, our understanding of how relationships work. But there is not a soldier or a poli- police officer standing behind you at all times. I mean, obviously, we could talk about, um, as Stefan did on the last episode, the panopticon and, and the illusion of cameras everywhere and things along mm-hmm. those lines. But even that's not as powerful as this idea of, again, us understanding how our actions Again, in relationships, whether those relationships are with individuals or um, companies or perhaps even, like I said, maybe in this case, the actual government, it doesn't matter in regards to how those actually play out. The limitation of those actions, that's government. We Mm -hmm. self-limit. But some of that self-limit is because of the socialization we've all endured for whatever. In this case, I would say millennia. That's how. That's what I'm picking up on here. You don't necessarily need somebody directing you at all times. You direct yourself. And that direction that we direct ourselves by is governmentality, at least part of it. That's not the whole concept. But this part that he's talking about here, I think that's the most fascinating thing. Yeah, that's perfect. That's exactly what I was going to say is this, the prevalence of self-governing our behavior, right? Self-surveilling. Etc. And Foucault talks about the seismic shift when, you know, societies realized that it was less costly, right? It doesn't have to be economically, but it was less costly. It was more effective. Instead of punishing people publicly in gruesome ways to implement normal, and by normal, I mean, you know, norms, norms and regulations, etc., so that people would police each other and themselves, that that was far more effective, right? Yes. And he's saying this takes place, you know, like in the Middle Ages. Now, clearly, we know, we all know, right? The the self the surveillance is literally everywhere, and as a result, we self surveil ourselves and we surveil all of our the other individuals in our immediate areas, right? So, like you and said, most people no- are willing to submit to this anyway. I mean, we could mm-hmm. have a discussion about human nature, which will take us completely off the rails. But most people are just willing to be part, like groupthink, right? They're most most yep. people are willing to be sheep in this case, so they'll self-govern. They'll feel like they're being great individual people by, of course playing to the subjective notions of social right and wrong, they'll think they're making those individual choices for themselves. They're under that, again, that word I use, illusion, mm-hmm. but that's what it is. It's illusory. They they really haven't been active agents in their own determination of what that, again, vague notion of right and wrong might be. 100%. So Foucault says that there are three main problems with focusing on the institution when we're analyzing power. Remember, he says we shouldn't be focusing on the institution. We should be focusing on the individuals. So the first has to do with the reproductive functions of institutions. One crucial function of any institution is ensuring its own survival. This is its reproductive function. In taking this institutional analysis of power, one runs the risk of only analyzing reproductive functions as power relations. This is a problem because all reproductive functions involve power relations, but not all power relations involve reproductive functions. By emphasizing reproductive functions in power analysis, we're missing the much bigger picture, right? We're essentially missing the forest for the trees when we're analyzing the reproductive functions of institutions as power relations. That's not that they aren't part of the power relationship, but we need to make sure that we're we're not getting lost in solely analyzing uh, reproductive functions of institutions. The next one has to do with the origins of institutions and power. Focusing on institutions leads to the risk of explaining the origins of power in the origins of institutions. But Foucault suggests that clearly power existed before institutions existed, and power is actually crucial to the origins of institutions, not vice versa, right? We can't possibly think that power originated in institutions and somehow before there were large-scale social institutions, power didn't exist, right? Clearly, we know that's nonsense. But if we're just analyzing institutions when we're analyzing power, then we're missing the much bigger picture, right? I'm admittedly guilty of both in many of my history classes. So (laughs) feeling a little bad about myself right this second. No, I do both. But like I do look at the Mm -hmm. individuals as well. But I definitely do these other two. I definitely talk about these, right? Like the reproductive Mm -hmm. functions of how states reproduce the same results over and over again. And Mm -hmm. of course, we go through their creation narratives and stories. So their origin of power, right? Like, so we do that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's kind of funny. It's kind of funny seeing this critique. Yep. And the last one has to do with regulations and apparatuses. Institutions function, quote, by bringing into play regulations, as an example, laws, 
and an apparatus, as an example, the criminal justice system. The risk here is that one tends to give more emphasis to the other, one or the other, regulations or the apparatus, and to view power simply as a quote-unquote modulation between the two, law and coercion. So here, if we're just analyzing institutions, and I'll just use laws and the criminal justice system here as an example, right, the risk is that, and many people are guilty of this in their analysis, that they focus power solely on these two things and how somehow power is a relationship between these two things, right? So we make laws and then we have the criminal justice system. And if the criminal justice system is powerful enough, then the laws will be followed. And so it, it's this relationship, this modulation, I really like is uh, Foucault's term, between these two things, and that is power. But clearly so much of power relationships exist outside of those two things and outside of these institutions that bring these things into play. Mainly, to use Foucault's you know, argument here, the individual between uh, the interactions between individuals. But if we're just talking about laws and apparatuses at a macro level, we're clearly ignoring completely individual behavior, which is the main mistake that Foucault says we need to be avoiding if we're going to get anywhere in analyzing power. Quote, I wish to suggest that one must analyze institutions from the standpoint of power relations rather than vice versa, and that the fundamental point of anchorage of the relationship, even if they are embodied and crystallized in an instit institution, is to be found outside the institution. Now, this next quote is key and I think sums up kind of what he's saying. That is to say, power relations are rooted deep in the social nexus not reconstituted above society as a supplementary structure whose radical effacement one could perhaps dream of. So this is the main point that Foucault is trying to make, I believe, throughout this article, is that power relations exist within society, within the interactions, the actions of individuals. Power is not something that exists outside of society, that structures society and its institutions and so forth. If we really want to understand power and analyze power properly, we have to look within society at the very fundamental basic level, the foundational level of individuals, the way that we develop our own identities and the ways that we interact with one another at an individual level. Anything to add before I take us out with one more quote? So I think one of the great examples I can think of that, again, probably drives this home for more of a modern audience here is that we all right now, as of the recording of this in 2023, I'll date this episode, unfortunately, YouTube will do it as well, but regardless, are experiencing one of, I would argue, one of the more morally bankrupt eras in terms of specifically economics in world history. Right now, we are experiencing that. And most of us are actually feeling that on varied levels around the world. Some people in some parts of the world don't have shelter or water, even in privileged parts of the world right now, we are experiencing obscene amounts of inflation and, 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 and unemployment and homelessness and things along those lines. Fair enough. Like we're all experiencing these things. And yet the question always keeps coming up. Why is no one actually doing anything about it? Well, the institutional approaches we're going to look at, of course, perhaps governments, but more so corporations, the Amazons or the, uh, Tesla's, uh, Elon Musk in general with Twitter and things along those lines, we look at those as like the problem. That's what we're identifying and we all want to blame those. But the reason nobody's doing anything and Foucault would agree with this is actually because we're looking at things the wrong way. The reason these systems remain in place, even though we know they are problematic, they are inequitable, is because of the deep rooted social nexus, our relationships on individual levels and how that, again, using some earlier terms, that socialized individuality and self-governance in those relationships is maintaining the status quo. It is maintaining us on this unsustainable trajectory, this unsustainable economic trajectory. And that's specific to this topic. But I think that's, that's what we're missing. So if we want to understand how to make that sort of change, Foucault would tell us, well, rather than looking at a, whatever, a Jeff Bezos and all the horrible things they're doing, or an Elon Musk and the horrible, don't, you can't focus on that. Focus on those relationships, those power dynamics. And that's where, and, and if you want to make changes, those are the things you'd have to change first. Well, and I think that the my one critique of this article is that Foucault doesn't go deep enough here. He does elsewhere on really the second form of subjectivity, which is our identities, right? And so if we want to analyze power or if we want to challenge the power dynamics that are at play, 
Foucault argues that we really have to challenge our identities and be willing to completely question yeah. and deconstruct yes. who we are as individuals in order for us to figure out who we can be outside of the power dynamics that are at play right now, right? So I'm going to leave us with this quote. And I have as a note here, you know, I intentionally for this episode didn't go out and drum up a bunch of quotes from Foucault to try to explain all of this with more sources because we would have been here literally for hours. There is so much content that Foucault created uh, surrounding this topic. Uh, we just really wanted to scratch the surface here with this article. But I couldn't help myself but to go out and get one quote from his book, Power Knowledge, which is actually a series of interviews and lectures that he gave. Um, anyways, because it is where he defines his famous metaphor for power, which is that it is capillary. And so I'm going to read this quote and then we'll talk about it a little bit. It says, quote, in thinking of the mechanisms of power, I am thinking rather, instead of institutional power, of its capillary form of existence. The point where power reaches into the very grain of individuals, touches their bodies, and inserts itself into their actions and attitudes, their discourses, learning processes, and everyday lives. So, like I said, Foucault is famous for this metaphor, this capillary metaphor for power, where, you know, power isn't top down. It's not states imposing its will upon us, etc. The power is diffused throughout society. It is capillary, right? Think of, you know, uh, the, a human body as an example with uh, all of these things, right? These various branches, small and big, etc. This is how power functions for Foucault. It really, you know, digs itself into each and every one of us, and then it manifests itself through our interactions with one another. It's not top down. It's not dominated really by one social institution or another. We are the agents of power and it manifests itself in our relationships to one another, in our actions, in the way that we govern our own actions and the actions of others. And just so if you're curious and you know about post-structuralism or if you're curious about learning more about post-structuralism, also a very famous philosopher by the name of Deleuze uses a similar metaphor as the rhizome, which is also incredibly, incredibly popular, kind of the same concept there. Any thoughts on that? None that's cool. I mean, it'll take us a little bit longer to get through them. So I don't know that I want to, to, I mean, the example, I'll just say it. The example I was thinking of how a simple trip to the grocery store kind of colors what he's describing here from immediately giving up your, your food independence to submitting it to the food institutions and, 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 and macro farming and macro ranching and all those other types of things to the use of currency to pay for those things to the standing in line and the relationships there, all of that, that one simple action I, you can you can you could break that down and understand various mechanisms of power within the state just from that one action, from simply going to the grocery store. Again, use of currency, standing in line, subjecting yourself, subjecting your food security to some sort of power economic structure based on 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 Monsanto. We'll pick on them, for example. You could definitely deconstruct that. That would be an easy example. Again, I don't want to go much further because I do think we're trying to wrap this thing up. But I mean, that's that's where mind my mind immediately went. A very simple process that everybody does on a daily basis, at least here in, in, in the privileged quote-unquote Western world, and how it reveals power dynamics. Well, and I think Foucault would argue that, you know, we actually shouldn't even, we should, Monsanto shouldn't even enter the conversation, right? Yeah, you're probably What we need right. to focus on is who are we as people when we go to the grocery store, and who could we be if all of those power dynamics weren't at play? And we can only really understand power dynamics and try to challenge power dynamics if we are willing to look at ourselves and the way that we develop our subjectivity as a result of the power dynamics at play. All right, if you enjoyed that episode, um, consider supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash revolution and ideology. Thank you. Thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. I am Nick. I'm Jared. Later.